Hi, James. Ben, how are you? Uh, I'm okay, but you sound a little sleepy. Yeah, I am a little sleepy. You're right. You got me. I am. Um, I'm actually back in Australia. We mentioned it. Um, we mentioned it last week that I got back. I think I was still running on adrenaline when I spoke to you, but uh, this time it's like it's still. I still haven't entirely gotten over it, but it's kind of surreal doing this. I'm sitting in my childhood bedroom talking to you. Uh, don't often have what, what, what you always dreamed of. I'm sure uh, it, you, you got it in one. <laughs> well, I mean, this you are learning. You are learning, James. That uh, as you get older, your body doesn't adjust to things like I thought. La, la la la! Don't want to hear. Don't want to know about it. I'm like. I, I I remember this one this one time when I was in consulting where I I managed to go from Bangkok to Hong Kong, Hong Kong, LA, blah blah blah, like all around the east coast of the US, back to the west coast, down to Australia and back to uh Bangkok in a week. And I remember on the last leg telling the uh the flight attendants about it and they were looking at me like you're crazy. You're flying more than we are. And I was like, yeah, this, it's fine. It's no big deal. And now it's just like one long haul flight and my body is not, not interested. I'm going to take a week to think about recovering. <laughs> the, the goal, James, is to, as you get older and increasingly uh, unable to handle the jet lag, that you're also able to afford the better seat in the airplane. So this- that, that's... That's how the trade-off's supposed I, to work. I clearly am doing something wrong. I clearly, <laughs> it's it's all gone in reverse. <laughs> right, because when you were consulting, you probably were in the better. Oh no, consulting backwards. was amazing. And the, the problem with like getting, you get spoiled. Like that becomes normal, and to go backwards is terrible. But I don't know. I'm, I, I'm not making that much bank that I'm willing to on my own dime pay for the front of the aircraft. It just seems exorbitant. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess we we need to uh, we have to up our sponsorships on the subject. Uh, oh, that was which, a good by the way, right? sponsorships sponsorships are available. So oh, yeah. Out. So yeah, if but like I, I don't. But know. we still have we still have our our standby. Uh, I was going to say yeah, if you want to buy James a, a seat in business class, give us a call. But no, not, <laughs> no, not, that's that's not what the money's going to go towards. You are you are now officially barred from sitting in business class for the next two years or so. <laughs> maybe yeah. Well, maybe you'll edit that out, and we might still get a sponsor. In the meantime, we have someone to thank, and that is Wealthfront. Wealthfront's an automated investment service built for the modern era, and it's making it easier than ever to invest your money well. How do they do it? Well, Wealthfront uses software instead of retail location, salespeople, and so on, so it can offer sophisticated investment advice at low costs that were previously impossible. It's exploded in popularity in the last two years, and they now have more than $2.5 billion under management. Check them out at wealthfront.com slash exponent to get up to $15,000 managed for free. Very good. Well, um, before we uh, get to uh, the, the the topic of the week, one which that, that we've talked about previously, but mm. I know that that you have you have suggested you are dreading. Mm. Um, I wanted to quick touch on a one one specific angle that I thought was really interesting to Apple's earnings. Mm. Um, I did write about Apple's earnings uh, in, in the daily update, and uh, you can read why I think that there, this whole thing about Apple being a services company is 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 a little ridiculous. <laughs> They're not. Um, Sorry, but, why, uh, who was who was suggesting Apple was a service? Company oh, it's this kind of people? meme going. I mean, Apple is clearly pushing the the services thing, all the services revenue, which is which is real and true and good for them. Uh, but now people are like, oh, Apple's actually a services company, not a hardware company, which is which is uh, which like, is like Xiaomi, not true. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, Xiaomi Reuters just had a report today um, about how they're. 
their uh, their services revenue was up mm. uh, 150%, which is great, except that it was half of their goal, yeah. uh, which is not great, which means they missed their services revenue goal by more than they missed their, their phone hardware selling goal, which is a mm. problem – because the entire point is to be a services company, not to be a not to be a phone company. Right. So, yeah, they're in trouble. Mm. Um, but yeah, but I mean, Apple. I mean, the the, 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 the I shouldn't give this away because in, 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 in the daily update. But I mean, I what you that Tim Cook got the question at the end, like, oh, are you going to make a cheaper iPhone? And of course, he's like, no, no, I'm not. But actually, this was a smarter question mm. than this question usually is because the guy's like, are you going to make? He's like, given the fact that you're saying you're you want to make all the services revenue, are you going to make a cheaper iPhone? Which is actually right on because yeah. if you're as we've talked about, if you're a services company, you want to maximize your addressable market, spread out your fixed costs. Like that's the incentives for a services company, whereas a mm. hardware company, you want to deliver a differentiated product. And your services are in service of your product. And so when Tim Cook answers, no, we're not going to change our strategy. Of course we're not going to change our strategy. He's, he is like – he just kind of betrayed the whole like clearly long-prepared spiel about Apple being a services sort of thing. Like, yes, it's great. They're making a lot of revenue from it. It deserves to be recognized. Uh, but – Yes, no one's no one should be fooled here. It's, I mean, often those questions are just uh, they're absolute questions. Are you going to do this or what about this? I love that question because it was relative and it forced him to rank order the priorities. And I, I, right, which which he didn't actually in his answer he didn't really acknowledge that. Mm. But when like the question you put it out there, and, and when you answer a certain way, yes, that's exactly right. You are rank ordering your priorities, mm. and and. And appropriately so, I'd add, mm. it was clear Apple is still a hardware company. Yeah, not, they don't, they don't sell any iPhones. Company. I don't think they're going to make too much on services. Yes, to say the least. <laughs> Just ask uh, Xiaomi. <laughs> Anyhow, the, the, there's one line that really jumped out, mm. jumped out at me um, in, in Tim Cook's prepared statements. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read it here. Mm. Um, oh, where'd it go? Uh our results are particularly impressive given the challenging global macroeconomic environment. We're seeing extreme conditions unlike anything we've experienced before, just about everywhere we look. Um, I don't know, James, was Apple around in 2008 and 2009? They, they most certainly were around in 2008, 2009. Because however challenging conditions may be today – uh, I kind of feel like they were more challenging in 2008, 2009. The world was the world was on fire in 2008. At the end of 2008, it was burning to the ground. We were on the verge of like the second Great Depression, right? And instead, right. we settled for the Great Recession. Yeah, I mean, yes, it, it was it was one of the worst macroeconomic environments ever, which was demonstrated in pretty much every company's results. Everyone got hammered. You go back, look at all the indicators, all the reports. Everyone's getting killed. Mm. It Except for Apple, um, and 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 the reason the reason why it you know Apple kind of skated through that in to a much more positive degree than anybody else was because uh, what was happening for Apple specifically in two thousand eight two thousand nine. Uh, it was the the birth of the of the iPhone. The iPhone came out in two thousand seven. It really st- took off in two thousand eight, and and that specific period was the period that the iPhone took off. And 
it took off because it was it was such a leap forward. Yes, mm. smartphones as the idea existed it was the iPhone that brought it all together into a package, and then the App Store came out in two thousand eight, mm. and it and it took off, and it was so compelling. And it was such a, a, an improvement for, for most people. And most importantly, the vast majority of people, including all the rich people who could manage to withstand the Great Recession, didn't have one, mm. right? So they were selling iPhones for – they were selling most people's first smartphone. Mm. And so for Apple, it didn't hurt that bad. Because they were they were selling a product to a to this greenfield mm. to the, the, this massive amazing new product to a populace that never had one before, including lots of people who had plenty of money to spare. And so, yeah, for Tim Cook, maybe he's never experienced such adverse economic conditions. Well, there wasn't an existing product line, right? There wasn't there wasn't anything for it to go bump like that that the. the, the sales couldn't go down because there weren't any sales it was it was a brand new product and yeah when you right it wasn't just right it was just they couldn't go down i mean what was apple competing against apple was competing against like motorola razors i I remember it was crazy so this that was the year that i came across to the u.s 2008 i timed the, the business school application pretty well with the recession uh, good luck. More oh, nice. You're, 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 you're ahead of all the other business school applicants. Yeah. The, the funny <laughs> thing was I brought my, my like quote unquote smartphone Nokia over with me. And I, I remember being in that environment and seeing everyone with those phones, mostly Blackberries still at the time, but everything was organized over email. And this thing was just terrible. This Nokia was just terrible at email. Like I was pretending that it was going to work and it, it just didn't. And I was like, okay, marched myself off to the AT&T store. And it's like, I'm going to, I never buy first generation Apple anything, but I'm going to get one of these things because if I don't, I'm going to be left out of everything. It was yep. just such a leap forward. Right. No, for sure. And so um, I, 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 that's why I just thought this was so, this was so interesting to say we're seeing extreme conditions unlike anything we've experienced before. And it goes to show I think the big lesson, and this is kind of like my my, my grand segue to to the topic of the day, um, it goes to show what a difference it is competing against non-consumption versus competing against an established competitor, whether that established competitor be, be Samsung or that established competitor be the iPhones people already own. Today's Apple... Uh, which uh, actually I think the results were a lot better than people appreciate, mm. um, which again, I weigh out. I actually spent some time in Excel today. So I'm, I'm, if I sound a wow. little bedraggled and, and tired, you'll know why. I, ben, ben doing numbers. I did a logistic regression. Yeah, um, you, you, I, I'm, I'm used to paper drawings, not Excel, Ben. I know. I probably did it wrong. Um <laughs> No, actually, this is my second time in Excel this week. On Monday, I did as well, and I was t- talking about Google's mobile mobile revenue, and I did Off all by. these like I did all these assumptions and calculations, and mm. at the very end, I did one final calculation, but it was so simple, I just did it in my head. <laughs> I got oh, it wrong by a billion dollars. Oh, it was unfortunate. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyhow, um, speaking of getting old, uh, anyhow, uh, the, the, it's just today's. Today's Apple, today's iPhone is competing – arguably, I wouldn't even say really competing against Android. I've already weighed that out. What it is competing against is the iPhones people already yeah, have. right. And that is a much more difficult competition, 
and it's one that makes you much more sensitive to all the external factors that may be affecting you. Mm. So yes, there are economic challenges going on, but Apple feels them way more than they did the far worse challenges in 2008 simply because the the nature of competition for their most important product has has changed fundamentally. So I don't want to get too much into what you covered in the daily update. That's okay, go ahead. Um, we're already we're already over the river. How much there's an extent to which this is um uh people uh the the iPhone 6 pulling people in early or there's an extent to which this is uh people hanging on to their phones longer like if if sales are down there's been this incredible growth if sales are down fundamentally i think it's caused by one of these two things i don't think people are all of a sudden going off and buying android phones i think no no i don't think so at all actually i don't i don't think that i think that the sales are are actually far better than people appreciate mm. um because Yes, I think there was a degree of pulling sales forward, but actually I think the evidence, and that's why I was in Excel figuring this out, I think the evidence is actually – I mean Apple has picked up a, a a significant number of new customers. Their sales basically if you over the last two years are way higher than you ever would have predicted two years ago. Right, but, um, but they're slowing. Right? The, the, the fact that um, – the fact that – that they've predicted that it's not going to be year over year growth or it's 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 finally going to stop, right? It suggests it's slowing. Well, it's slowing year over year. Right. But uh if if you were to view last year as an aberration for whatever reason, um actually this year is is above the rate that you would have predicted two years ago, if that makes sense. It, Based on the first six years of iPhone sales, what would you expect in the eighth right. year? Uh, this year is actually better. Um, it's just rel- last year was so unbelievably huge. And what it's, so, it's flat, right? And so I guess my question is like, what made last year so unbelievably huge, and why aren't they able to sustain that momentum? Do you think? Well, no, I, I, I actually I think the fact that they've that they barely surpassed, or if you look at sell through, maybe we're slightly behind last year, is actually super impressive. Um, because for I think there's unquestionably a degree of pulling some sales forward, mm. but then but then how did they maintain the level? They must have all that that meant whatever sales were pulled forward had to have been replaced by something else, uh, and I think that replacement is new customers. And and I don't think all the sales last four last year were pull forward. I think actually the majority of them were were new customers. Again, like they're. Their sales for this just reported quarter were significantly higher than you would have expected two years ago. Mm. Oh, like, no. like, and I, so it's not like they're it's not like they they, they jumped way up. And it, if this was it was all pull forward, you'd expect actually this quarter sales to be significantly down, right? Uh, and they're not. I, I guess I guess there's just and and I totally get what you're saying, and I and I think that perspective of of looking back over some significant period of time, and then based in 2014, predicting what 15 and 16 sales would be, makes lots of sense. But there is an interesting piece of this, which is you look at the growth, and the growth exploded last year, and something they did last year with the six caused that explosion. Yeah, but- it was the big it was the big phones for sure. And I think like that there was a lot of people on Android that were waiting for a big phone. Like mm. I I don't think I think that it's it's relatively simple actually. Got it. So it was the big phone that caused the bump and now it's back to business as usual in terms of growth. Uh 
Right. I mean, it, well, it, it's flat, but again, I like I said, I think it, relatively speaking, it's actually the, the, their growth actually seemed to peter out around the five or five S. It was starting like that's why I did logistical regression because there was mm. an S curve mm. that seemed to be happening. But but it it picked it it picked back up, and uh, if you take away last year or put last year. Um, like there's the curve is now curving in a positive direction again. Uh, if you take out last year, like if you look at 2012, 2013, 2014, then 2016, mm. like the curve is sloping upwards or curving upwards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because 2015 was so crazy, it kind of it kind of threw 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 it all to whack. Yeah, the big phones kind of threw everything. Hmm. Interesting. Anyhow, anyhow, all that to say, I like I think I think Apple's fine. I just wanted to make that point. I just I just found that comment from from uh cook just so just so striking because it was so out of whack from i think the the, quite frankly the reality of the global macroeconomic environment uh then and then and now and Mm. i mean certainly strange things are are happening now um but uh but the reason i bring that up is uh i think it's a actually a useful way to think about what i was trying to drive at with with my piece about twitter this week Mm. And certainly I've written about Twitter plenty of times and we've talked about it plenty of times. Um, and uh, I wrote, as I told, said on Exponent, um, I actually on Exponent, I immediately kind of regretted the Twitter moments I, piece I wrote because I said I came across as more enthusiastic than I perhaps intended to mm. when actually my history of writing about Twitter has been to be a big pessimist. Mm. But whatever, I wrote what I wrote. I have to own it. Um, but what I was writing about yesterday wasn't just – I actually wasn't so much disowning that post in my point of view. I was actually disowning every single post I've written about Twitter oh. from the start of Shotekri on. There we go. The, the, we're doing a little bit of big bath accounting. Yeah, and, and and because I've written lots of posts about what Twitter should do, everyone has an opinion about what Twitter should mm. do. But um, you know, the ways that they should change the product, we should change the onboarding process, the fact they should change their leadership to make this happen. Um, I, I I've I've stated all these things very earnestly, uh, in the hope and belief that that would help Twitter. Uh, reignite their growth. We've already talked about it this podcast, and I've written about why it's important to have growth. People, lots of people are like, oh, uh, dude, Twitter's fine, blah, blah, blah. It's not fine because they're an advertising-based business, and advertising-based businesses need scale. And in the world that we're living in, where Facebook is out there and Google's out there with unlimited inventory, massive customer bases, and amazing demographic information, like there's no reason for advertisers to spend time on Twitter. There just isn't. And uh, at least brand advertisers and, and whereas and their direct marketing product isn't great. Uh, and so they, they, they have a problem. Like it, I'm sorry, like I'm a business analyst. I love Twitter. I spend more time on Twitter than I do on Facebook. But when you look at it from a business perspective, they have a problem and you can't, because you happen to like to use it, mm. pretend like that problem doesn't exist. Right. So all these responses I get, oh, I, but you're you're tweeting this on Twitter. Aren't you a hypocrite? No, I'm not a hypocrite. I, I'm able to separate my personal felt experience from analysis. Mm. Um, anyhow, sorry, I'm a little ranty today. No, what happens no, when we no, record I mean, at night? This, this brings it out in people. I, so, <laughs> so I mean, and I, it brings it out because whenever you start analyzing companies that you're passionate about, I mean, it, it brings it out, and this is—I don't know—I'm I'm kind of disappointed. It's got to this point because I love this company so much, and I won't be afraid to admit it. I love the product. I love what it represents. There is before we get into that. Before we keep going, though, there is one question 
that I have that, that causes me to think about so, – so you talked about like disowning all the posts and there's one specific one that I want to bring back up. You called for Costello's resignation. Oh, Maybe this is too early in the, in the podcast Go to ahead. bring this up. But you called for Costello's resignation and I'm kind of – I got the impression from – from reading your post this week that you think that rather than focusing on um, focusing so heavily on growth, they should be much more amenable to keeping the existing user base happy. Uh, when, yeah, well. <laughs> when viewed through the light of that statement, actually, you could make the argument that Dick Costello was doing the right thing. We'll get yes. Um, you did in fact uh, jump to a potential conclusion, uh, but yeah, no. I it, well, let, let me explain wh- wh- why, and mm. then and then we'll circle around to that. Um, but uh, basically, what what I think I in my shared desire to see Twitter succeed mm. and knowing they needed to grow, mm. uh, I I've had lots of suggestions about how they could go about doing that. Uh, how they could grow their user base, how they could grow grow their opportunities, all those sorts of things. Um, the problem is that we've we've both talked about the fact that Twitter has a real problem in that most people have already tried the service, right? They have close to a billion uh, abandoned accounts, and it's so much harder to get people to try something a second time when they've already rejected it once. It's mm. far more difficult than than trying to get them to try it the first time, which is already hard enough. The I think the the what I didn't what it kind of just hit me like a bolt of lightning this week and maybe this is super obvious and all our listeners knew this all along and they think I'm being stupid but I just it just hit me like a bolt of lightning. Uh, the, the the problem is that and this is why I brought the iPhone example in when Twitter was growing like weed at the beginning they were competing against nothing hmm. like Twitter was the first real mobile company as far as these internet services companies goes from the beginning a a large portion of their audience was on smartphones particularly the iphone they came out a year before the iphone but they really picked up with 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 the iphone and their the famous takeoff at southwest south by southwest um although that might have been pre-iphone to be to be to be fair Mm. but um but they they were it's always been a great mobile product like the 140 characters, characters right? the, the the timeline like all the, all that sort of thing they they figured out the feed i mean the feed's been around right the idea of a feed has been around for ages but the packaging it all together both the creation of content the display of it the consumption all in one app mm. uh like there's so much about twitter that was so ahead of the curve mm. and 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 was so smart and and they were competing against nothing yes facebook was there but facebook was largely on the desk. Desktop. Facebook was focused on building this platform of like Zynga games and crap like that, and delivering a half-ass, you know, uh, mm. f- first website and, th- and, th- and then a mobile app, and th- like that was Twitter's like Apple in two thousand eight moment was was to grow from there to become the sort of product that was indispensable. That was the first thing you open on your iPhone, as it is for a lot of us, but but. A lot of us who who do use Twitter, we are used to jumping through hoops to get utility, right? We'll go through the effort of getting a follower list, of pruning it down, of figuring out people want to follow, and all that sort of stuff. The problem is, uh, as you move down, as you as as you move down the curve, right? Uh, what's what's the curve called? It's escaped my name, and I just wrote it in my article. Um, 
the diffusion curve, right? The diffusion of innovation curve. Like this is what crossing the chasm is about, right? It is you move down from the early adopters to the to the to the innovators, early adopters, early majority. The marginal cost that you can charge a user becomes becomes smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. right? The early adopters are willing to jump through a lot of hoops to try out your product and to get its utility. But every subsequent user is less and less willing to do the work necessary to get the utility. So the idea is, yes, your 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 minimum viable product may be really hard to get into, but you get your core user and you got to bring down that you got to bring down that threshold. You got to make it easier and easier over time to to, to, to get on board, to get started, to have a viable product. And Twitter never did that. Like Twitter barely evolved after its first year. Like, like, and, and the problem was the product was – the utility of Twitter was so massive. And, and I've written about this. And this, this is probably the one article that stands up the best of all, Twitter's marketing problem. The idea that the product was so great that they never had to go through the hard work of like figuring out what worked mm. the problem it, it, the utility it, twitter had an interesting thing twitter was always hard to use it's hard to use today but the utility is so unbelievably mm. massive that hundreds of millions of people found it worth it to jump through the significant hoops to get it to work the problem though like without any effort to bring down to reduce those hoops to bring down the hurdle to get started like it was inevitable that they were going to get to their marginal new customer who would try Twitter too hard, not for me. Da, 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 da. Yeah. And, and, and in the meantime, Facebook was getting better. Facebook started out just being friends and family. Then they added in like pages people liked. And now they add sort of thing. And now, frankly, if yeah. you, you go to Facebook and I was talking to someone like, and she was saying this and say, yeah, I tried Twitter. And like, I don't know. I mean, I go to Facebook. It's got, Pictures of cute animals. It's got some news stories I'm interested in. And it has photos of my friends. It's like, I, don't, I mean, like, why Why would I? I don't, it's not worth the trouble. Like, and that was such a perfect encapsulation of exactly what the problem is. Facebook, for this marginal user, Facebook was good enough. And then Facebook kept getting better, kept getting better. And they started peeling off marginal users. Like, it started, it's, and or making that, that, that the delta between Twitter and Facebook got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller until arguably, we talk about Twitter's interest graph, Facebook arguably has a better interest graph of its users, actually almost certainly does than Twitter does. This conversation makes me sad. Well, it it, it it is sad, but I mean, I think the fundamental thing that Facebook got and that Twitter didn't was, and, and people are like, oh, I despair for human society. I, oh, I hate that comment. Like, Facebook made it easier for people, right? I mean, Facebook had a built-in advantage because Facebook was leveraging networks that already existed, right? right? Facebook started, like, your friends and family is a physical network that Facebook sat on top of. Right. And they've leveraged that into interest-based sort of networks. Whereas Twitter, by starting out... like So Twitter inherently had a bigger challenge. Right. But Twitter did nothing to make it easier. Right. I've already complained how the onboarding process didn't change for years. Mm. And, frankly, Twitter should have an algorithmic feed. And, and, and I... And, you and Facebook pissed off their core users again and again by quote unquote simplifying the product and taking away control. But that's what you have to do if you're going to be an ad support company that's going to operate at scale. And Facebook was serious about doing it, and Twitter was busy trying to cut each other's necks. Mm. 
It's yes, it's it's sad. I you know, the point about like the starting point I think is the is is definitely a fair one. It's it's a redeeming factor. This is and this is part of what makes Twitter great and it's part of probably what held it back whereas it it felt to me like the first time I saw it there's this this marketplace this bizarre for ideas where you have access to these people that you would never otherwise get access to and just by virtue of starting there as opposed to starting with friends and family, people that you already know, you're all, always going to be at a disadvantage. Now, there are, there are going to be folks, probably the folks that are listening to this, definitely people like us, who are willing to do anything to get into a network like that, that find it energizing that transfer of ideas. But you're right, like part of success, part of making that part of Part of ensuring the viability of that bazaar was like reaching a broader audience than they did. And they, they allowed their success and their starting point and to, to, they should have pushed further. Yeah, like you start at that point, but part of making sure it continues to exist is to ensure it's viable. And that means reaching more people, which means making it easier to, to, for, for new people to come on. A bi- like a billion, a billion accounts. It's just crazy. Yeah, so I mean, anyhow, the, the reason the reason to re- to recount this is not um, is not to write a history, although it, I th- you know it could function mm. as that. Like no, but I think there are real strategic implications of mm, this. Yeah, um, and and uh, frankly, uh, I mean, Twitter's valuation has plummeted, and I would argue probably I'm not a stock analyst, uh, disclosure, <laughs> but fairly so. Uh, and perhaps should be lower because I don't know on what basis you can evaluate them as being a growth company, right? I mean, they, they yes, they can extract more and more revenue from their current users, uh, which I wouldn't know about because I don't see ads in my Twitter timeline. Mm, me either. Did you see, did you, oh, you either. Did you see the story? Well, I did see the story that they've turned off ads for their most valuable users, but I, I think <laughs> the ads only happen if you're using a native client. And like a lot of the Twitter users, like I geek out about this stuff and use Tweetbot, and I, I don't think I've ever got an ad any time I've been in Tweetbot. So. No, you don't get ads, but it's not that many users yeah. um, uh, from from what I understand. It's actually a very small number. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I well, we could talk about that a little bit. I have thoughts. Uh the um you have thoughts never i do <laughs> i do uh so they can extract more revenue from their, from their current user base um but yeah if if you the problem for twitter is that whatever twitter does so the reason i bring this up is that the problem is whatever twitter does now instead of competing against people getting their smartphones for the first time and looking for the in developing these new habits mm. like the whole thing i wrote about facebook being val- valuable is not just because there's more mobile devices out there it's because mobile unlocks this entire new moment in your life, the standing in line moment, the sitting on the bus moment, this found mm. time or what I like to call the kind of, you know, in a, in a, a melancholy sort of term, like the empty spaces of, of our lives. Right. right? And, and Facebook, so much of Facebook, actually we have an exponent episode called it's Facebook time. Mm. My point being, you don't schedule Facebook time. Like it just happens. Right. And, and the problem is like that time was wide open it was it was a huge opportunity and that was when twitter had to move and that's when they were the most paralyzed as a company and the problem was in the meantime 
Facebook has taken it yeah. and Snapchat is taking it. And now, even if Twitter had the perfect onboarding process and had the perfect algorithm, they're not competing against non-consumption. They're competing against established players who are getting better and better. And they're competing. We're they're already competing for the marginal user who's already demonstrated a resistance to change. I I I I agree. I I wonder. I mean, so we. I remember one of the times we talked about it, and I described loving the service because it, more than anything else, as a service, represented what was so wonderful about the internet, and that is openness. And I like I. I, they've clearly demonstrated an ability to make this work, like the fundamentals of what they've done, make it work for a certain selection of users, like, again, folks like us. I, I wonder whether there isn't some argument about, uh, argument for them to open things up and allow other people, in the same way that the clients kind of unlock the Twitter experience for a lot of people, just throw it wide open and and let more people use the underlying service and, and let people come up with unexpected ways to use the service and, and, and get more people on the platform, not necessarily through a Twitter client, but in ways that can't be expected. Um I, yeah, well, well, yeah. I think I think the the, the core thing, which which is part of that, and, and you mentioned it earlier with the, the Costello question, is uh, at a minimum, I think Twitter needs to shift from a needs to shift to kind of a a do no harm sort of posture, mm. uh, um, because uh, if you if you start with the assumption that if you if what I'm saying is true, then Twitter has their user base who love the product mm. and and they need to first off keep those people there. And frankly, they have work to do there, particularly when it comes to things like abuse and trolling and all that sort of stuff that I think are inherent problems with a uh, public-based forum that allows anonymity. Mm. Like it's just a toxic mixture. And frankly, I, I'm not the only one that has kind of st- – slowed down my Twitter usage over the last several months just because it's exhausting. I, I, I feel like, I mean, I don't know, again, not to extrapolate out, but I feel like everybody's using it less. Like it's just slowly, and I don't know, I, I'm not attributing it to toxicity and maybe I don't want to, I don't want to base it too much on my own, um, own experience, but I, I don't know. It's just tough. Like you feel like the, 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 the the network feels like for the whereas in 2010 2012 it felt like this there was this incredible vibrancy and people were engaging in it it just feels like it's i don't know again maybe it's imagined in my head but it just feels like that's starting to disappear a little bit yeah it's so hard to say because i mean obviously um i mean but we're both in the upper percentage points of, of followers um so it's hard to know what our experience. You know, I don't want to extrapolate yeah. from my experience to to anyone else. Um, but yeah, but I mean, for me anyway, like Twitter, there's a certain stress. Like Twitter, it feels like work, right? There's a certain stress that goes with it. Whereas, like my my NBA Twitter uh, is, I I love going there. It's it's, and I think, and uh, and and Facebook, frankly, um, I, I think there's a you know. There's an opportunity in niches. They actually, if you click on the hashtag NBA, mm. uh, it's actually they've developed this entire NBA centric sort of sort of area, which mm. is which is cool. It's still not as cool as a, a curated NBA follower list, which is you know, but that's 
that's that's always been a challenge. Mm. Um, there's like there's opportunities for the company, but they're they're small they're small scale, and and I'm not sure any sort of strategy that's predicated on getting people back to the main Twitter app is really ever going to work again. And if that's the case, then I think you need to the company needs to be super careful. Um, I think you know Dorsey has kind of I think demonstrated he wants to focus on the main app, um, and it just like. But it, it, yeah, got to be got to got to be careful. No, that makes sense. But here's the thing: again, like I don't, I don't think you need people in the main app. Like the value is in creating the stream of data and then letting people access the stream of data. And I mean, part of this was for me, uh, like a lot of people, like you, I suspect, I use Nuzzle and I freaking love Nuzzle, and it's actually taken me out of the main Twitter app quite a bit because it pulls into the stream. It means I don't have to sort it all myself and it just raises things to the top. And when I find something I love, I fire it back into Twitter. And again, it's creating that data stream. And again, the main Twitter app, it 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 reminds me of the iPhone. Apple first launches it. It has the key apps. And that's what Twitter, the Twitter app is sits on top of the Twitter stream. But then uh, Apple obviously launched the app store, let all these people sit on top of it, do super cool things that they could never have imagined, and the value of it exploded. I feel like there's some equivalent of Twitter being that service for the internet, should it be done right. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I've, we've talked about it and I've written the same thing. Um, uh, the, I mean, the real question is, you know, is Twitter going to – is that going to – is that large enough? Is that are they gonna have time? I mean, the the reality is is uh you know as the cheaper they get, uh you gotta wonder about acquisitions. Mm. I, the real the real challenge for Twitter is that the, there's really only two companies that make sense to acquire Twitter, mm. uh and that's Google and Facebook. Mm. And the reason they're the only two companies that make sense is because of scale. They already have scale when it comes to selling ad- ads, and so Twitter would be additive to 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 their, their 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 product in a way that like some media company buying Twitter where it, they're just like they're getting all the problems that Twitter as a standalone company has. Uh, the the problem the problem for Twitter is uh well Google they did this deal with Google mm. uh, last year to basically uh, be a part of the double click platform which in part gets the sort of scale they need and to share the the tweet stream back to Google. Mm. The problem is Google is now getting everything they need from Twitter. Right. Right, Google is getting the advertising surface, and they're getting mm-hmm. the information back from Twitter. So why should Google pay uh, several multiple billion dollars to get what they already have? Like it, it was a yeah. deal that made sense given Twitter's desperate straits, but in some respects, it actually lowered the valuation of the company. If you think about the valuation in the context of potential acquirers, yeah, I mean, it's again, if you're in dire straits, you want to keep things afloat right now and you worry about the longer run in the longer run but now that that approach is coming back to bite them a little bit I oh guess. a great deal for google i mean that leaves facebook i mean the question is at this point i mean i don't know if, i don't know that facebook why would they facebook's want so do- well, yeah why would they want them facebook's so dominant and they're build they're, they're working to build bits and pieces of twitter that they might like the sports stadium thing i mean who knows if it'll work out but i mean if you look at any any publisher will tell you this you look at any sort of stats you look at sharing stats you look at anything uh, I mean, t- t- Twitter, it, it, Twitter and Facebook only exist in the same conversation when it comes to tech pundits. Like when it comes to actual will, real world impact, it's it, it's no longer even a competition. I mean, I, 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 on one hand, from a strategic sense, it, 
putting aside the deal that Twitter made, it makes more sense for Google to acquire them. I would. Uh, I no, would I think act- so. I think I think it does too. I think there's strategic reasons to acquire them the, beyond the, right. the financial ones. The issue is like Google's Google's history with social networks isn't fantastic, and it does it does make me wonder what a company like Facebook could could do bring that's the thing i mean facebook would be the best manager for them i mean i mean i know people i don't know why people don't can't stand facebook but for some reason they can't but you can't deny they're a marvelously marvelously run company oh they're they're a fantastically run company i i don't know i i have my reasons for disliking them which we've been into (laughs) and we're we're not gonna get into into again right now but i do like there's no like uh, uh, from a purely objective those guys know what the hell they're doing. It would be exciting to think what they could do with something like Twitter, and it it, it may augment- especially because they'd, they'd have so much more freedom to to really push the envelope around mm. stuff like building like a you know the, a layer between stuff like using Twitter as as a communications layer, connecting all kinds of things, mm. right? Like because it's not their core product. And what 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 is always what impresses me so so greatly about about Facebook is. Th- there's a very methodical and measured way that they develop their products. Mm. They don't rush into monetizing. They don't rush into mm. pushing features. Mm. Like, and Mark Zuckerberg laid this out in an earnings call a couple of years ago. And it's one of my favorite. Like, there's a few earnings. I, I love listening to earnings calls. I think they're so interesting because you always you always pick up stuff if you're listening. And he just laid out this is how we think about a product development. He basically laid out this four step process, which involved you know growing the user base. Uh, you know, developing and understanding what analytics matter and things that work, uh, putting in monetization options, scaling it out. It, I, it, those aren't the exact steps, but mm. it was very systematic. And he laid out, that's what we did with Facebook. He's mm. like, this is where we are in the process with, with Instagram. Mm. This is where we are with Messenger. This is where we are with WhatsApp. He's like, we're not going to rush it along. And, and, and so one, smart. it was so smart. And also because of the way their products are staggered, all of them have breathing room. Right, yeah. like and 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 like the company is set for at least like the next ten years because they're just going to be bringing these new products up the ladder as, as it were. Yeah. And and Twitter would have would be it would be an amazing addition there. I mean, as much as as much as it would it would rank a lot of people. I, it's it's one of these things that you want to be building the next engine for profitable growth well before you need it, and not just the the very. Uh, uh, very rigorous approach with which he thought about it, which made so much sense. But just that notion that they have all these engines coming online. But yeah, you look at some of the stuff they're doing, um, and also it, the 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 fact that this is of strategic value to Google, and Google's getting a bunch of value out of it already, yep. perhaps more than yep. what they're paying. There's an argument to be made if this gets cheap enough that maybe there's value in doing it just to deny it to Google. Absolutely. No, absolutely. I, I think I, I think they should do it. I, I think both of them should do it. But I don't. I, again, I can't tell how much of that is is, is motivated by. I think they should right. strategically do it. And I want Twitter to, to be, get this monetization yeah. monkey off their back and just be Twitter. Yeah. I, I mean, I I can't help but feel the same. It's just. Yeah. Again, it's just this uh, this notion that there's this place where ideas float around between people, and you can stick your finger in the stream of the internet. There's nothing I've used even now that comes even close to that. It would be so sad to lose it. Yeah, I mean, it really is a bummer that those lost years between, and it goes to show like just how damaging this sort of stuff can be. I mean, because that the fact of the matter is, when Twitter's infighting was at its worst, is when they missed the opportunity, mm. and and they missed the opportunity in two ways. One, uh, they missed the opportunity. The product just stopped developing. It just it it stopped developing basically from two thousand eight two thousand nine until like 
this until now, I, which is amazing. Um, so one, it just stopped developing, and but then two, uh, you, you know, there's always it's not this idea isn't new to us. The thought of Twitter being the sort of distributed like communications layer on the internet that mm. ties stuff together. I know we've talked, well, I think we're repeating ourselves, but we're sorry. We both love Twitter. Mm. Uh, this kind of dis- distributed communications layer be- be- between all kinds of things. And yes, the way to monetize that would be a much longer term sort of thing and, and to figure it out. But this, it'd be like owning email, yeah, right? Right. I mean, uh, uh, and, and that the fact that Twitter Twitter ran out of time to consider that strategy, but part of the reason they ran out of time to consider that strategy was because they spent three years trying to kill each other. Like it's one thing for like Steve Ballmer to screw up Microsoft after the company's been around for thirty five years. Right? It's it's quite another to screw up a company after thirty five months or, yeah. or, or less. Yeah. And I mean, uh, the, 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 I mean, you you miss the boat on the next thing, but they have this enormous cash cow. Twitter, Twitter never even really got monetization figured, and that was that. Yeah, I mean, if they, yeah, I mean, that's not even the right point to make. They could have had this explosive growth, and instead, they were they were like there was it was civil war, and well, yeah, they could have had explosive growth and then made their ad model work, or they could have figured out a model that that worked for Twitter and Twitter being a unique sort of thing. Right. I mean, cause I mean, if Facebook is AOL, like Twitter could have been like the internet, like, Mm. and yes, figuring out monetization on the internet was harder than AOL. AOL is pretty straightforward, right? You pay for the service every Mm. month. Figuring out monetization on the internet is an ongoing struggle, but the amount of money made on the internet today is far greater than AOL ever made. Right. Mm. I mean, there's, and that's, that's, I'm really stretching the analogy, but there was, it makes sense. No, that you, you are, and you aren't like that. The relationship totally makes sense. it's the wall garden versus the open and you get the open right like the ability the, the ability for open done well is is incredible but the problem is twitter had ipo because they were they, they, it'd been too long like they, people think oh having venture money is like having venture money sucks right yeah, like you have a gun to your head ticking, right? yeah and and twitter twitter spent that time they had to figure this out fighting with each other and it's a it's a bummer i mean it, it, it I mean, to be clear, the service isn't going away. I mean, like the valuation is probably still out of whack for for what it is. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. It is a bummer. I mean, I do feel like the service is kind of this is totally subjective. Has gotten worse over the last few months, but uh, yeah, know, I, that's that, that's I a depressing mean, topic. It's 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 difficult once you get. Well, like the momentum can be such a powerful thing in these instances too. And it, it, like you start losing the ability to hire great people. People start getting poached. It can be, it can be tough. Now, the one thing they have still got going for them is that there are a lot of people out there like us that really believe in it. Um, and, yeah. And, and, and their, their influence can't be overstated. Right. I mean, it's still, it's still incredible, but it, I am reminded of the problem. Like, News is still super important, right? And there's more news than ever before, but that that doesn't inherently make it. That may give it worth, but doesn't inherently make it valuable. Oh, or oh, no, it makes it valuable, but doesn't necessarily make it right. worth something. Yeah, it doesn't uh, mean you can monetize it as right newspapers. Well, is exactly. I, no, yeah. Well, I mean, that's it, this is the big challenge with with the internet and with things that are digital and. Um, you know, a couple people emailed us and we kind of, we've hinted at it. Like, you know, the, the, there's an argument to be made that the economic growth trip of the internet is, is, is so small. And part of it is because the, the, 
the consumer utility generated from it is almost impossible is so difficult to capture. I mean these these internet companies are 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 extracting a fraction of the value that they're generating uh and and that's that's in my estimation I think that in the grand view of history hmm. uh the reason why the internet feels undervalued is not because it's less valuable it's because it's such a big change that we've we've only barely gotten started um you know just like cuz there's going to be so, so many fundamental paradigm shifts mm. uh but i mean i can but yeah if you look at from a pure number basis sure i can i can get the argument that it's that it hasn't had a huge impact but um now we're 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 going to we're going to do the gdp discussion but in like bits and pieces over the entire year yeah we promised people it and it's coming out piecemeal yeah it was a, a pull. it was interesting because it came up in the uh, this topic came up in a, a Krugman book review of, gosh, I, I sent it to you I and I'm blanking on the guy's name. He's a professor out of, what was it? Northwestern. Yeah. yeah. No, and I've, I've heard of him before. I mean, I, I went to, I went to Northwestern. Um, and and yeah, like, it, it's, it's not a new argument. He's, this guy in particular has been making it for, for years, but right. now you officially encapsulated it in a book. And he's being very bearish on the impact of the internet on the basis of, on the basis of the fact that it's not fundamentally changing the nature of how work looks. And I was like, okay, this book looks interesting to me because it's going to be, uh, I'm, I'm very interested. It sounds like he's got a strong business historian, Bent to him, and I always find uh, approaches like that interesting. Getting to no, for sure, and I, I, I'm just waiting for them to. Uh, I, I have to uh, take a boat back to the U.S. Uh, to pick up a physical copy because um, there's no way to transmit bits to me in Taiwan. Right, that's a very good point. <laughs> um, I do want to read the book before I comment on it fully. No, and I, I I'm agree. Gonna read it. But he 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 that that point that or at least the Krugman encapsulation of this point that that you need to that that there's massive changes in the workplace. I, like again, the the I I just I sit in the context of right now. Like the the internet allowed me to meet you to have this conversation with someone that was thousands of miles away about a topic that I mean some people care about, but like in the scheme of in in the scheme of all the ideas in humanity that any one group of people are talking about in one point of time is is relatively small and we're having this in in debate in in depth discussion about it and you come to Palo Alto and you let me know and then we grab lunch and we talk about a podcast and here we are like without the internet that does not happen and and nor do and nor do we have tens of thousands of people listening right now. Right. Like this, and we met on Twitter, uh, which which should be noted to take this full circle. Um, and uh, no, and, but I think, but the, but the truth is, our contribution to GDP is minuscule. Uh, well, it's, it's practically non-existent. It's it's basic. The only way it gets represented right now is is through the sponsorship and. There's, I mean, I don't. Which is very inexpensive relative to our reach. (laughs) Well, I don't want to (laughs) be immodest, but I feel like based on the feedback we get, uh, some of the conversations I've had with people that that we're creating more value than that, and I love that. I'm totally for that. But this idea that you can dismiss it because the numbers don't represent it seems to be so foolish. Well, yeah, and well, part of the it's it's also he's made the point that just like 
just look at people's lives, right? The, the, someone's life from, from like 1890 to 1940 changed unbelievably or, or, or earlier, where the dates are. Whereas someone's life in 1940 would be relatively recognizable to us, to us today. Mm. And, um, and I, I, and I'm, I'm willing, I'm willing to grant that too. I just like it. But if you think about like what if we what are we doing right now? We're we're talking about ideas. Twitter. We talk about Twitter being interesting. It's a marketplace of ideas. Be, like uh, ideas I- are like even before like basic research, right? right? Like I have trouble. My my suspicion is in the long arc of history when you look back and you see the sorts of innovations and outcomes that are derived from an explosion in the marketplace of ideas, an explosion mm. of the ability of people to access ev- each other everywhere all over the world to bring people online, not just in rich countries, but in developing countries and all over the world and to connect them together. And it, it, and when, and if you're able to draw a line back to that, it, it's going to be, it's going to be immeasurable. And the reason why it's hard to measure now is because we're, it's like, we're turning, it's like, if we're imagine you're you're coming up to a street corner, right? Or we're gonna get math. I have Excel in the brain. All so right, you, yeah. you 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 come up to a we're corner, to or you're going down the dollars. street. <laughs> you go down the street, okay, and you you go for a mile, and then you go for you go for another mile. Like it's very easy to measure; it's a straight line, mm-hmm. right? But but if you turn the corner, or if you turn a sharp corner, like the, the distance from the starting point is is increasing by less than the distance that you're moving, right? Because mm. there was an, there was an right. angle there. And that's what I think is kind of happening. We're, we're, we, we're, we've departed on a new sort of paradigm that we're just trying to figure out. And we're in a situation where a company like Twitter that has developed massive value is super valuable to lots of people and they can't figure out how to make money. Like I don't think in the long run – that is sustainable, and I mean that it's not sustainable in a positive manner. It's I, I don't think it's viable that we're going to end up in a situation where the most valuable things are are the most worthless. Right, well, and when and if this this stuff gets aligned, then you're going to see these numbers explode. I, I, so so to continue a lot, I, I'm not sure I'm 100 percent bought in on your your street corner. But the, I told you I'm terrible at math. No, but uh, put put that aside. The, the the idea that once upon a time the only people you could talk to, or the only people you did talk to, were were on a regular basis were the people within that mile. And today I'm I'm sitting in my room. Like sending a text message on my phone to someone in San Francisco in real time, having a conversation. Like it's just mind boggling. Now, I, I don't know. As you were talking about it, I, I feel like there's this context. I let, let me try this. It may be a left field idea. I'm going to bring up one of my favorite movies of The Matrix. Like this idea that there's there's this there's this digitized world that we can exist in that we can interact with that we can we can we can talk to people that are anywhere in the planet as opposed to just the people that are nearby we can touch these ideas that that different things start becoming valuable like people start valuing 
as opposed to just physical goods, the digital goods, like you see this in, in games, but like Warcraft or whatever, th- there's this other world that does not really, it's really hard to represent it in GDP because it's digital, but there's so much value. It's, it's, it's much more cerebral than it is physical, but there's so much value and so much potential that's captured in it. And GDP just doesn't do a good job of representing it. Well, it's not, it's not just that, but I mean, we could soon be in a world where um, people talk about the Uber for whatever sort mm. of economy, but if you follow it out to its natural outcome, we're in a world where people are annually spending less than they did before on cars and getting not just right. transportation, but also better neighborhoods, better place to live because there's parking lots are, are, are gone, like, which is like half of the territory that we need anyway. Mm-hmm. They're able to rent like a power drill to do a do it at home project in their home with the time they found. They're able to do all these sorts of things. And, and because we've moved to a, a new sort of like rental economy where you rent the stuff you need when you need it. And we're able to do that because of, you know, a world of zero distribution costs and transaction right. costs it's, and all this it's, stuff it's that I go on GDP about. GDP punishes efficiency. Like, it's so much more efficient. Like, again, someone was on Twitter. It's like, I'm buying my Christmas shopping online this year. And rather than uh, uh, driving the car that I no longer own because I catch Uber everywhere uh, to the mall, I am... Uh, I'm on my computer that I bought previously, buying something on Amazon, getting it delivered. I'm like having a devastating effect on GDP right now. Like you play that out all over the place, like that's knocking GDP down. But that's fantastic because we're doing these things more efficiently, more effectively. We're not wasting resources to get to the same the the same outcome. That that's got to be a good thing. And yet the numbers, the way we measure the numbers right now, don't suggest it is. Yeah, and I think the the um, I mean the big the one defense of GDP has been as I mentioned before is one it's it's uh, it's relative to most other sorts of things of measuring well being it's relatively objective, mm. uh, which is a positive for various reasons. But two, historically, it has roughly correlated to more subjective measurements like well being, quality of life, uh, satisfaction. All, like the sort of things that are harder to get right, but they've all generally moved in the same direction as GDP. Um, and I wouldn't. And, and again, I, it, it's a bit of an uncomfortable position to argue because yes, we're 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 arguing basically against a negative that you, it, there's going to be something else here. But I, I wouldn't be surprised to see those see those numbers diverging. I mean, would you rather earn fifty thousand dollars in you know? In, in the 1950s, uh, with all the entertainment options and and things that went there, n- not a bad life, mm. not a bad life. Uh, at least if you were white and in middle class, um, or would you rather uh, live today on thirty thousand dollars or thirty five thousand dollars? And maybe those numbers are a little low. I mean, mm. there's some there's some threshold where you're you're struggling. Maybe it's double that. Um, but I, I I would I, I would wager that particularly at the higher up you go, the income level. A lot of people would choose the lower income level with all of today's technologies and amenities over a higher income level not that long ago. Yeah, and right, and I mean, I mean, all those things that you describe, well being, satisfaction. Historically, they've been correlated. I I would suggest that what you just described might actually suggest that the correlation, the correlation may start to become weaker. And if these are the things that we really care about, maybe we should find measures that more accurately represent 
those things. Now I'm when also and also maybe we should figure out ways around stuff that does tie into GDP, like people being employed, right? I mean, yes, you may be able to occupy yourself much better if you're unemployed, but you're dealing with very real like issues of whether it be anxiety, whether it be self worth, like. Hmm. So I mean, there's there's. There's a, I'm not saying this is a, this is a panacea for or by well, by any means. No, of course not. There's a very interesting experiment. Something that fascinated me enough. I mean, I wanted to visit the country in, in the first instance anyway, but this also kind of encouraged it. Uh, the little mountainous kingdom of Bhutan nestled in between China and India, and they're very famously working on this concept called gross national happiness. And GDP is one part of it, but they blend the metric with a whole bunch of other things: health, environmental outcomes, education outcomes. Uh, they actually, they're working on surveys to figure out, are people happy? Like, how would you actually figure out whether people are happy? And they they are focusing, rather than optimizing on this figure that, yeah, it's kind of worked in the past, but maybe it doesn't work anymore. It's like, well, why not actually try and find a figure that better represents what we're striving to achieve and work towards that? And it just... It's I, it. It strikes me as a complete no-brainer. Not easy to do, but it's. I'm. I'm glad there are people out there striving towards it. Well, I mean, it's a. It, I, I think part of the reason why it's it's an it's an unsatisfactory debate, uh, perhaps particularly from our position, is that it's one where the other side does have like the numbers to back them up, whereas now you're arguing more of a. You know, like, well, if you think it through and if you think about feelings and stuff like that. Um, but I guess, you know, I, I guess it, the way I would put my defense is uh, if if th- that fits, that actually fits with my contention that we're talking about there being a sea change, an orthogonal change, a fundamental rethinking of society that I believe the Internet is. Um, and uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I'm going to wait and read the book. Um, I'd actually I'd love to read the book and see if something makes sense to, to do a formal um We'll see. I'm going to read the book and, and go from there. Um, when you said I'm not going to commit myself to anything. When you said you had to uh, uh, get on a boat, and I, I, I was like, so I wasn't sure whether you were joking or not. I was like, it, it's, it's no. I was making a snide remark yeah. on the fact that I can, uh, I could buy the book instantly, uh, thanks to the the internet. I thought so. I was like, internet. hang on, is there some reason why you can't get a copy of the book? Into I, I literally, you stumped me. That. That I guess it happens uh, uh, occasionally, but it, I was like, I don't, I literally do not know. You're ba- how to take back that. in Australia for five days, and you've already <laughs> lost your 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 sarcasm. Detector. I'm I'm blaming it on the jet lag, Ben. <laughs> All right, well, I should let you get to bed then. Uh, and uh, next week there will be no podcast. Uh, I will be on my first vacation in two years. Oh, uh, that's exciting! So, well, thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Yeah, I, I will actually be leaving in in like 24 hours. Oh so. well, then you better get to it. Indeed, indeed. Uh, I have one very un- unfortunate analogy I have to take out of the middle. And no, for people that ask, we are not going to include that on, on like a laugh if, track. If there's random laughter. It was a good can, analogy. It, it, to, to yeah, be. it was a good analogy, just a little on the un-PC side. But if you hear random <laughs> laughter uh, it, it coming out of un- nowhere. It wasn't even un-PC. It was just inappropriate. It could have been taken the wrong way. <laughs> If you hear random laughter on the edit, it's because I was still laughing. Ben actually people are gonna be, stop. Stop. People, are, people are going to be so people are going to be so mad at us for even hinting at this. Oh well, too um, bad. so we're, I'm going to cut you off right here. Very good. Oh, I'll talk to you later. Uh, oh, hey, you've got to thank Wealthfront. Oh, that's right. Uh, yes, our, our yes, Wealthfront. Uh, Wealthfront. Uh, hey, if Wealthfront, you don't, how is it going to show up yeah, in the GDP it. numbers?
Exactly. This episode is sponsored by Wealthfront, which is interesting because it automates habits and strategies that investors should be using on a regular basis but normally aren't. Great investing is a marathon, not a sprint, and little things that you may not be familiar with like automated tax loss harvesting, rebalancing, and smart dividend reinvesting can add up to a very large amount of money over time. Wealthfront does all those things to your money automatically. As an exponent listener, you'll get $15,000 managed for free if you decide to open an account, but just start with seeing the portfolio that they would suggest for you. Take two minutes, fill out their questionnaire at wealthfront.com forward slash exponent. It's free. And the best part, you don't need to give them your email address. Um, Wealthfront is a, incorporated as an SE registered investment advisor investing in securities involves risks and there's the possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. And I don't know, I feel a little dissatisfied about the, the conclusion that, about our last 10 minutes because mm. as usual, I, I, I told you before the show, let's not talk about that. And then I, I talked about it anyway, which like Trump, which some people were very upset about um, oh, wow. that we talked about. Uh, politics. I, I, um, we got a few positives too. That someone yeah. suggested we start a political talk show. That could be fun. Uh, someone suggested that if we ever talk about it again, there there will be grievous harm. Oh, really? Um, well, no, I'm slightly exaggerating. Uh, but it, I, to be clear, I don't want to give. I guess I don't, the reason I don't want to talk about it is I want to give the that argument short shrift because I think it's a valid one and one worth. Wh- which argument? The 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 G, the. Does, is the internet all it's cracked up to be argument? Oh, right. Well, um, I think we should. It, it's just one of the things like, I, it's, it's so obvious. It's one of the things that you can get fall into the trap of like Twitter, right? It's so obviously valuable to us. Surely it must be valuable, right? And you and you need to work through it, It's worth it. I think it's an argument worth taking seriously. I, I intuitively and I think for more thought out reasons don't agree with it, but I think it's something. Uh, we'll, we'll get back to it at some point. Uh, I think it is an interesting I, talk. I, I mean, again, I'm. I'm going to park my distaste for Facebook, but there was this really cool article that I read talking about the farmers of Myanmar and their love of Facebook and how they get all this information on crops and all these things over it. Uh, we should link to it, but like, I, it's not just you. It's not just people in America or Taiwan. This thing is everywhere. It is changing people's lives. And I don't know. I am... I am it's, very- a, it's a great point. There's such a leapfrog potential, right? There's I, all There's I, all these people who didn't get the last 50 years of American prosperity who are going to leapfrog us. Like it's ha- we were talking about payments because they didn't have credit cards going directly to something better. You, you, you see, as you, you see this happen with cars, like a thing with China, the reason why China is such a huge opportunity for ride sharing is not just because China's huge. It's not just because they have cities the size of France coming online. It's not just because they, 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 uh, they're super dense. It's because most people don't own cars. And to our point about Apple and Twitter, it's way easier to compete against non-consumption mm. or other new entrants than it is to compete against something that's established. Uh, I, I, I agree, and I to risk coming back. Like I, gotta, the, I, I just, I just gave away one of the guest posts for Shachakri Daily Update next week. And I gotta oh, well. take that out. No, the the, the <laughs> power of the digitization of the world and having access to that information. Again, you're a farmer. You 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 have this understanding of what crops are doing well, what what prices are, what crops you should be planting. Whereas before you're flying blind or you're relying on what your father told you or information that takes months to get to you. It's just, I, I don't know, there is just so, the, the, having access to that information and the companies now that do it well, you, st- you, the, uh, I don't know. Well, the, the other thing, the other thing is like the, the results. Uh, if this is as big a change, it, it, perhaps it's a big change. It's like the whole the old Chinese proverb of like he's like, oh, you can pay me, you know, like a thousand 
shekels or whatever, or you can give me one grain of rice that doubles for every square on the chessboard. Right. Right. Like the the whole idea of an exponential curve is for the first Mm. long part of the curve, you don't really see much change. Right. And then it, uh, and then it explodes. And, and if you think we're at the end of the internet's impact on society, the, the inner, as we've talked about the tech tech now we're going way long, but tech tech spent the first 25, 30 years eating itself. It's only now Mm. with the smartphone that it's starting to infiltrate actual society. And to think that you can make any definitive statement about the impact of the internet now is, is, is foolhardy. I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, can I finish today with a troll? Uh, sure. It's only old people making that argument. <laughs> Direct hate mail to me, folks. Oh, well, they don't, they don't know how to use their computer. Exactly. Oh, no. Sorry. Sorry. Well, now, now you're in it with me, Ben. <laughs> oh, it sounds good. I'll, oh, wait, I'll talk to you later for real now. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go on vacation to avoid yes. the hate mail. Yeah. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. Direct in, it all to James. In, yeah. Enjoy it. You deserve it. All right. Later. See ya.